Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome into the Wednesday, November the 7th edition of the Locked on Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we've got crossover Wednesday for you guys as we do every hump day on the Locked on Podcast Network. We'll welcome in the host of Locked on Packers, plus the All-22 review is up on LockedOnDolphins.com, as well as my Twitter feed. We'll glide through that, and I'll lay some expectations for the defensive staff going forward. But first, before any of that, we kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It helps us out so much when you do that. Follow me on Twitter at WinkleNFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And of course, LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the LockedOn Network. And last but not least, the other LockedOn Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Packers podcast, to get caught up on all your opponents all year long. We have no need for the Mad Dog today, so let's tee things up. That's another Miami Dolphins. And first down on today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you by my bookie, where you play, you win, you get paid. And we're going to start with the All-22 review of the game against the New York Jets. If you guys want to see the video breakdowns, there is a column up on LockedOnDolphins.com, as well as on my Twitter feed, about 50 videos in all. And let's go ahead and start on the defensive side of the football because it's less depressing. And it was actually a very impressive performance from the defense. And I thought Matt Burke, there wasn't a lot of change in the defensive packages, more so in who called them and where the responsibilities lied. Obviously, we knew that Minka Fitzpatrick took over back in the backfield. But for the most part, a lot of zone concepts, a lot of switches, a lot of passing off. And Sam Darnold just wasn't good enough to beat the Dolphins on those particular packages this time around. Whereas down the line, Andrew Love, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, that might be a different story. But one thing that was cool to see was watching Minka Fitzpatrick make all the calls. And he really does a good job in that robber slash center field role where he can kind of pick his spot and come up. And he understands passing lanes and route concepts so well that he can get in the way of multiple passing lanes by being in one spot. And then the ability to close and make tackles in the open field. I really hope we see more of him on the back end going forward because he is better there, I think, overall and will be in the future and do more for this defense. But also because the net gain at slot and safety you get by putting him back there and bringing Bobby McCain back into the slot is such an upgrade because McCain's not a very good perimeter corner. We learned that this year, but he's still exceptional in the slot. He had one play where he was able to read and react, which is his best trait. He's not a runner. He's a react type of player. And he came up, came up and made a stop on a backside crosser on a third down in the open field. So very good work from him there. Continuing on in the secondary, Xavier Howard is just really, really good at football. He's so technically sound. He's so physical. So much fun to watch. I really enjoy watching his tape each and every week. And the guy that's making tape more fun to watch every week also is Jerome Baker. He's coming a long way, and I know he had the pick six that was the big play, but really, that wasn't the most impressive play of the day. The way he was able to understand leverage and blocking concepts up front and get himself into the backfield and make contributions both in the run game and in the pass game as both a blitzer and in coverage. Really fun to watch. I think he has a very bright future here in Miami. And his linebacker mate, Rayquan McMillan, had a good game in his own right. He's getting more and more decisive and more confident in his 
eyes and trusting what he sees. I really like the idea of him as your third linebacker with Baker as possibly the primary guy that doesn't lead the field in nickel dime packages down the road. And then I know this is unpopular, but getting Kiko Alonso's contract, which is still way too high, off the books and going after a cheaper speed linebacker next offseason. And then this linebacker group could actually be pretty good going forward. Up front, Devon Godshaw was absolutely dominant in this game. He took Spencer Long for several walks back into the quarterback and held the point against the run. And then there was Cameron Wake, whose first sack was more about coverage and indecision from Sam Darnold than it was anything else. But the second one was classic Wake, the burst, the dip, the bend, and then a collision with the quarterback. Beautiful every time, even at age 36. And spinning things over to the offensive side of the ball, well, that was a different story. Pass protection was woeful. We know that. Zach Stirrup, Ted Larson, Travis Swanson, Jesse Davis, even Jawan James, these guys did not have good games. But I did tweet out a bunch of clips on Twitter earlier on Tuesday that Osweiler is missing a lot of things in this offense, both with accuracy, attempting to extend, and his reads. He's just not seeing the field. He has no ability to go off script and make a play outside of the structure of the offense, and he's just not seeing open windows and open concepts that he should be able to ID pre-snap and then attack post-snap. But because of poor reads and poor accuracy and arm talent, he's missing multiple plays per game at this point. He's bad, and it's just going to get worse from here. As far as pass protection goes, Jawan James was surprisingly a train wreck in this game. You know that Zach Sterup was. You know about Ted Larson and Travis Swanson not doing anything there either. Yet again, the only offensive lineman that had a good game, and he was fucking awesome once again, was Laramie Tunzel. He looks great every week. I love watching him climb to the second level or staying in pass protection. He is just dominant, lights out, black hole. Lock him up long-term and lock down the left side of the offense long-term as well. And then there was a play with Danny Amendola coming in short motion to make what looked like possibly a crackback block on a blitz from Jets All-Pro Safety. Jamal Adams, who was blitzing off the edge as he did all game long. And Osweiler calls him into short motion and he snaps the ball before Amendola can get leverage on Jamal Adams. And then Jamal, or after the play, Danny Amendola looks at the sideline with his palms raised to Jesus up to the heavens, asking kind of like, what am I supposed to do there? I can't get there and make that block. So it's either a problem with the play call or the fact that Brock may have snapped the football too early. Either way, it's interesting. I retweeted it up on my timeline on Twitter, at NFL. And a couple more grievances I have with the offense. Just get Kenyon Drake more involved, both in the passing and running game. He has explosion. You guys have heard me talk about this all year long. I want to see more of him. They finally got Kalen Balaj involved in the Wildcat. Thought he looked good in a power concept down there. And also involved in 21 personnel as a pass catcher. You can add two pass catching running backs into the game with Balaj and Drake. Do it. Do it a lot more. And then lastly, Mike Kosicki. Get him the hell away from any inline responsibility. He got chucked across the formation and his corpse made a tackle at the line of scrimmage on that play. It's just really bad. They have to get more creative with him. As for this week going forward, I'll be keeping a close eye on the defense and their adjustments this week against the Packers. They're going to have to play perfect to win in Green Bay. And speaking of Green Bay, we're going to bring on my guest in the next segment here on Crossover Wednesday. But first, a word from my bookie. 
And whether it's the Super Bowl or a Tuesday night game in the Mid-American Conference, the Maction, the big game, whatever it is, you can make your bets at MyBookie because it's not about who you're betting on, it's who you're betting with. And that's why I always tell people to bet with MyBookie, the best bet you'll make all season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is super easy to use. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me, and that's why I'm urging you to make your way over to my bookie where you win and they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And if you're willing to make your deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now in my Bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar when using promo code locked on to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use promo code locked on when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play money. And if you hang out until after 7 p.m., get an extra $25 free play by using promo code locked on 25 at MyBookie, where you play, you win, you get paid. And joining me now for Crossover Wednesday here on the Locked On Podcast Network is the host of the Locked On Packers podcast. He is at Peter underscore Bukowski on Twitter. I'm talking, of course, about Peter Bukowski. Peter, what's going on, my man? Not too much. I'm, I'm happy to be here and, and excited for uh, Sunday's matchup. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, 2010 Dolphins-Packers matchup and our podcast on the Locked On Packers podcast. And it seems like this Dolphins team does kind of have the Packers number in a sense, even though they've been the far inferior team over the years. And we'll see if that continues on Sunday. I'm not banking on it. But they do happen to have the Packers by two wins in the win column, which is crazy. Yet they're still 10-point dogs on Sunday, which kind of feels low to me. But one thing I'm sure you and Packer Nation are concerned about right now is the health of the football team. And that's where I want to start. Can you catch us up on the medical for the Pack with guys like Blake Martinez and Brian Balaga? So right now, uh, where we stand, and and you didn't even mention Geronimo Allison, who's who's uh, going to require surgery on that injured groin. He was the Packers' leading receiver uh, early in the season, on pace for over a thousand yards, eight touchdowns, and uh, unfortunately, his season is is going to probably be over. Um, Brian Bulaga, it sounds like, um, is is on track with that knee injury. Uh, Blake Martinez did come back in the game with that ankle injury, but you know, obviously, ankle injuries can be finicky. I, I expect um, there to be more than more than one, frankly, um, key starter on defense. Their availability to go right down to to game time, really. And so, I, you know, I don't I don't want to speculate too much, but as you mentioned, it is a very banged up defense. Um, not aided by the fact that Green Bay cut Jermaine Whitehead, who had been, I would say, a quality part-time player for them. But when he was thrust into the the more focal point role, the, the starting role, with Kentrell Bryce getting hurt against the Rams, uh, he was exposed. They Sean McVay attacked him over and over and over with Todd Gurley, and it became clear he just couldn't handle that responsibility. He gave way to Josh Jones against the Patriots after he got ejected, <laughs> and Jones played well. So um, he's a former second round pick with with tons of athletic gifts. And I, I do think he is someone that can give this defense a little bit of a spark. But um, in, in terms of health, really, the only thing that that matters for Green Bay is if number 12 is healthy. And this is the healthiest, he, healthiest he's been all season. Well, that was my next question for you here. And I wanted to talk about Mike McCarthy and the decision to cut Jermaine Whitehead. But we'll come back to that. Let's go with Aaron Rodgers here, because I'd be remiss if I didn't start with him kicking off this podcast, but what's your take on how he's mitigated that knee injury and played with 
what at times looks like just one healthy leg. And how would you kind of categorize 2018 compared to what he's been in recent years, one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the league? Yeah, you know what's funny is the numbers say that he's not really any any different. Yeah, um, you know, completion percentage is down a little bit, but the the passer rating is is pretty much right in line. Um, he, he's on pace to have another virtuoso touchdown to interception season. I mean, he is all time great, really right now statistically the greatest ever in terms of efficiency and avoiding turnovers. So uh, that is continued. But if you watch him play to play. And especially if you watched Sunday, he's missing throws that we expect him to make. And he's missing, I don't know that he's missing reads. I had Doug Farrar on my show a couple weeks ago and, and Doug was saying, you know, Rogers doesn't miss anything. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't miss reads. He chooses not to pull the trigger on them for whatever reason. And those reasons aren't always clear. And what I have said over the course of really, I think, two or three years, and we saw this in 2015, and unfortunately, the parallels with 2015 are are growing more and more vivid. Uh, he just didn't look confident in anyone on his team or his coach. Devontae Adams dealt with an ankle injury that whole season. Um, Eddie Lacy had gotten overweight and was no longer a reliable running back. The offensive line was totally banged up. And without Jordy Nelson, who was who missed that whole season with an ACL injury, Mike McCarthy was not able to find ways to make life easier for Aaron Rodgers and this offense. And I think that was sort of, I don't want to say the beginning of the end for their relationship, but I do think that their relationship has deteriorated over the last few years. I think uh, Mike McCarthy was exposed a little bit as a coach last year with Brett Hundley showing as little as he did and, and the Packers unable to adapt that offense to suit his skills and, and really be productive at all, like, as you know, save for really just two games. Um, uh, Aaron Rodgers has not been the player that we have come to expect from him. Um, and, and that being said, he still won the game by himself against Chicago in week one. Um, lit up a, a Minnesota Vikings defense in week two when they were playing much better than than they they have been and, and were in the middle of the season. So, you know, I, I think the the he keeps saying we're close, Rodgers does, and, and so does Mike McCarthy. And Devontae Adams said after this the game on Sunday, we just need one game to get us where we need to be. Well, we're getting late in the season. We're two weeks from Thanksgiving week. <laughs> And so, you know, they're, they're, they're running out of games at three, four, and one to get things going. And the, the meat of the schedule is right now. So they need this game in the worst way on Sunday. As you said, two games in the win column behind the Dolphins. (laughs) That is not what anyone expected coming into this week. And that, that raises the stakes even more for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Desperate Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field. Sounds like fun for our guys down here in South (laughs) Beach. But you mentioned Mike McCarthy and kind of, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was the situation with Ty Montgomery. And now they cut Jermaine Whitehead. This is something that Dolphins fans have seen over the course of the last few years under Adam Gaze is cutting off some of the fat after big losses or disappointing performances. And they do cut time or trade Ty Montgomery, I guess he's gone. And then Aaron Jones has a costly fumble last week. And we've seen what balance can do even for the best quarterbacks, like in New Orleans, for instance, with Drew Brees and now Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram. What is the Packers running game situation looking like heading into this game? Do they have a balance for Aaron Rodgers to kind of lean on? This is you. You mentioned the same thing in in the the show that we did for for the Locked On Packers. But if I had that answer, I would fax yeah. it to Mike McCarthy <laughs> at twelve sixty five Lombardi. Here's the thing: um, Aaron Jones is the best running back on this team, and he's probably the second best 
playmaker on this team. And yet the Packers threw the ball 40 plus times and ran it just 14 with Aaron Jones, despite the fact that he was averaging over 5.4 yards per carry, came into last week as the NFL's leading rusher on a per carry basis and had just sliced and diced the St. Louis Rams. Um, excuse me, the Los Angeles. They'll always be the St. Louis Rams to me, Travis. <laughs> San Diego Chargers, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they are not the Los Angeles Chargers. Agreed. Get all the way out of here with that. <laughs> but the point, the point here is, yes, they have balance. If they choose to have balance, they can have balance. They have not committed to the run. And, and actually, I think if... They went old school and they went back to the days of Jim Kelly and just said, you know what, Aaron, you're going to call the offense. I genuinely believe they would play with more balance if Aaron was calling the game. And that seems weird to say about a quarterback. You'd think if a quarterback got to call plays, he'd throw it 60, 70 times a game. But Aaron Rodgers understands what a good running game can do for the offense as a whole, but also for the passing game and the play action game. This used to be the best play action team in football. Aaron Rodgers used to have a, a passer rating over 130 on play action throws. And that's not been the case this season. It wasn't the case last season or the season before. They've lost that element of this offense. And I don't really understand why. Um, they can be a really good run offense. And that can make them a better passing offense because of what that does for your play action pass. But They've just not committed to it consistently. And I think that has been a big criticism for Mike McCarthy, not only not playing Aaron Jones enough, but not committing to the run game on a consistent basis, which feels weird to say, right? When you have the most complete and potentially the most dangerous quarterback in the world to say, we need to run the ball more. But I really do think that that is the case. Well, hopefully for the Dolphins, they get it figured out after this week in the game with the Miami <laughs> Dolphins at Lambeau Field. Travis Wingfield joined by Peter Bukowski of the Locked On Packers podcast here on Crossover Wednesday on the Locked On Podcast Network. And Peter, let's flip things over to the other side of the ball here real quick. We mentioned the move for Jermaine Whitehead after the trade of Haha Clinton Dix already out the door. How do you feel about that Clinton Dix trade? And what is the status of this currently banged up or I guess departed Green Bay secondary? Yeah, you know... I think the perception of the Haha Clinton Dix trade is very different than than nationally is very different than what it is locally. I assumed it was. And the the Packers fans had had enough of Haha Clinton Dix. And the interceptions are nice and we were we were just having this conversation um in in Slack on the Acme Packing Company which is the SB Nation Packers blog that Haha Clinton Dix is kind of the perfect pro football focus player. Because he's very much like what Derek Jeter was late in his career. He's he's a shortstop that makes every play that comes right at him and then doesn't make any play out of his realm. <laughs> sure. And so when when he's in man coverage and a quarterback makes a mediocre throw and he can cut underneath it, he can make that play. But if you want to ask him to move from the center of the field to the right sideline, to get to a throw, you know, on a on any kind of sideline route, whether it's a corner, whether it's a go or whatever, he, he can't do it. And if you need him to make a tackle in the open field, he can't do it. And if you need him to be a leader of your defense, he can't do it. He hasn't done consistently what Green Bay has asked him to do. And I had been saying all season, I thought if 
They simply replaced him with a player, and my suggestion was Tremont Williams, which is the player that they eventually did replace him with, just a guy who is going to be in the right place at the right time and who understands how to play the ball in the air. That was a huge bugaboo for Clinton Dix. He would not attack receivers with the ball in the air, and he wouldn't attack the ball in the air in zone coverage. Um, So it was one of those things where I just felt like even though Tremont Williams is not a great tackler, either was HaHa Clinton Dix. And I knew that Tremont Williams would at least have some talent and ability to read and react to plays and get to more plays because even at his age, he is still faster than HaHa Clinton Dix. And there is a play, I encourage your listeners to go find a gif of it. Um, I I retweeted it in my timeline at Peter underscore Bukowski. You already already said that, but I'll shamelessly plug it again. (laughs) Do it. Um, where it looked like James White had a walk-in touchdown and Tremont William flies to the sideline and makes an open field tackle to prevent the touchdown. And I tweeted it at the time. I said, Hawkland Dix had no chance to make that play. He was not instinctive enough. He was not, he didn't process quickly enough and he wasn't fast enough to the ball to make that play. And so I think Tremont Williams with with Josh Jones now, and Josh Jones is a 4-4 guy, um, someone who who plays extremely fast coming downhill, someone who you will see them bring um, off the edge in some of the exotic blitzes that that Mike Patton has to offer. Um, This is a really deep secondary for Green Bay with Jair Alexander becoming a star player. They added Brashad Breeland, who is a sneaky free agent signing because of that really weird... um, foot injury that he had with the infection and everything that, that came from that. They were able to steal a player that the Carolina Panthers gave a three-year uh, starter money contract to, and Green Bay got him for, for the veteran minimum. Uh, and he's now in this secondary with the rookie Josh Jackson and Kevin King, who's turning into a real player as well, assuming he's healthy. Right. So, you know, I, I think that this secondary is really improving, even with all of the upheaval and the changes that they've had. Yeah, you got to love the direction of the secondary. And you and I spoke off air about Jair Alexander and just how fantastic he looks Mm. each and every Sunday. Fun to watch him play. And you'll be happy to know I actually watched like two plays in that Redskins game on Sunday and ha-ha Clinton Dix took a poor angle and missed a tackle on a touchdown play. So there you go. There's your evidence. I'm sorry? I said that tracks. That yeah. sounds like haha. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. There you go. So before <laughs> I get you out of here, Peter, real quick, last thing, probably not much of a surprise, but what is your prediction for the game on Sunday? You know, I, th- I think Green Bay wins, and that's that's certainly not a surprise. But I think uh, I think Miami struggles to score, and I, I think something like 27-17 sounds right to me. I think there's that 10 points. They have a chance to cover, but I, that, that sounds right because I do think Green Bay is going to be able to run the ball, and I do think they're going to be able to find mismatches in the middle of the field especially. And with that Allison injury, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is going to be someone who I think can get loose and get deep. And, I, you know, he had a big play last uh, last week. He had the, the long touchdown against the Rams. I think he has another big play touchdown. And, and that is is the deciding factor in um, uh, not a comfortable win, but a decisive win for the Packers. Just a real quick follow-up. You can answer it in one or two words. You mentioned a 10-point win. That's the spread. If you had to bet, which side would you take? I think I would take the Dolphins plus the points. Uh, there you go. We'll take it. We'll take a cover. Hey. 
uh, what, is, what is the old saying? Good teams win, champions cover. So I guess that's the track <laughs> the Miami Dolphins are on right now. Once again, he is Peter Bukowski, host of the Locked On Packers podcast. You can find his work at Pro Football Weekly, SB Nation, and on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Peter, thanks for joining me. This was a fun podcast. It was. Thanks for having me. You got it. And we were going to do another segment here talking about Matt Burke and the defensive staff. We'll kick that can down the road for a podcast on tomorrow's Locked On Dolphins podcast. We went a little bit long there, but I am not complaining. That was fantastic information. Peter is very well versed on the Packers as well as the entire NFL. But as for today's podcast, guys, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams follow me on twitter at lethal nfl follow the show at locked on fins keep up to date on our daily dolphins blog over at lockedondolphins.com you guys have a great rest of your night we'll talk to you again tomorrow for a preview edition of the locked on dolphins podcast your daily dose for miami dolphins football fins up Yeah.